Bless the Lord. you just give the Lord another hand of praise for his goodness this morning. Amen. He's good. Amen. Children's Church is meeting over to my left and you're right at the Welcome Center. Miss Katie's getting with them there. Miss Robin, they're headed that way. We, of course, always invite our children to participate in Children's Church. Thank you so much. Blessing us. Thank God that there's a fountain. Anybody happy about that this morning? Amen. I really am. You know, I'm just grateful to God that for Jesus I was of course spending a good bit of time in Mormon country and all that the past week or two a few weeks and getting ready to go you just the more you appreciate your relationship with Jesus when you realize the price it was paid for how simply made it and uh, you just thank God for a real relationship with a real God amen Colossians chapter 4 I want to encourage you to turn with me if you would today if you have a copy of God's Word, just turn there with us. If not, they'll have it up on the screen here in just a little bit. Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to pick up in verse 7 here in just a bit. Uh, verse 7, and Lord willing, we'll walk through this uh, text together. And we will um, complete our study of this book that Paul wrote so many years ago that speaks so clearly to us today. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 7, if you found your place in physically able, stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, we're going to read this passage through the end of the chapter because it's all in the same context. And here's what the Bible says. It's Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are at Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have been received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd speak mightily 
and clearly and very pointedly to our hearts today. Father, you know that which we need. We pray, Father, as we receive your word, we will respond to its message, <laughs> respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit today. And God, that great things will be accomplished and great fruit will be born for the kingdom. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of the legacy of a leader. We read about the Apostle Paul. I believe we would all say that he, without a doubt, will go down in history as one of the great Christian leaders of all time, without saying. A man who once was a persecutor of Christians, a man who once was described as one who made havoc of the church when he was Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, the Bible describes him as one who made havoc of the church. In Acts chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, he was there consenting to the death of Stephen, literally holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen, and many believe had the blood of Stephen on his boots or his sandals or whatever he was wearing. Regardless, he was quite a character in life, but when Jesus Christ met him on that Damascus road in Acts chapter 9. And when he met Jesus Christ, he was never the same. And can I say this to you today? If you've truly met Jesus Christ, you won't be the same. You won't be who you were. You won't do what you did. You won't, probably won't go where you went. You will have a different vocabulary. You will have a different passion. You, it's all because you have a new Savior and a resident king of the Holy Spirit living within you and residing within you and leading and guiding you in all truth. So when you meet Jesus, you know change. If you don't know change, you've not met Jesus. So quite a leader. God used him in so many ways. Write 13 books, some think Hebrews 2, maybe 14 books of your New Testament. He's been used greatly of God and without a doubt as a leader and has left for us a tremendous legacy. And you would probably say, you know, preacher, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to have that kind of influence. I'm not going to have that kind of impact. I'm not going to have the platform that Paul did. I, I really am just very insignificant. I'm, I'm just a nobody. But just remember this. We're all a bunch of nobodies who are out here to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. Amen? And if you really want to be faithful, and Junior Hill used to say this, the true heroes of the faith are those nobodies that are just full of God who have surrendered themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ, submitted to his lordship and authority in their life. The real heroes are those who know they're a zero, but they've allowed God to fill their life so they can make a difference for the kingdom. And such as is the Apostle Paul and such should be you and I today. So I want to walk through this text with you for just a little bit this morning, and I think that's what's wonderful about the Word of God. And we talked about it in Sunday school today. If you want to know what God has to say to you, you read the Word of God. Amen? Because the primary way in which God has chosen to speak to His children is His Word. It is. Does God speak through other ways and other people? And other, yes, absolutely. But the primary way is through God's Word. And remember this. God will never speak through another person into your life something that contradicts his word. I've had people before say, well, you know, it's, I can't really prove this with a Bible preacher, but this is what God wants me to tell you. <laughs> well, you know what I know he won't do? He will not contradict his word. So I've got to believe that's not from God. Amen? And um, just learned a, you know, learned a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. Amen? 
But regardless, let's look into this man's life and let's walk through the text together because I believe there are some wonderful things that God wants to say to you in your day as he spoke through Paul to the people of his day. Notice with me, if you would, how he was a promoter of comforting companions. Notice what he said in verses 7 and following. He begins to talk about Tychicus. What does he say about him? He says he's a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister. He's a fellow servant in the Lord, and he has some news to share. What a wonderful way of promoting a friend. Then he says, I'm sending him to you because he's coming to comfort your hearts because you are in some difficult circumstances. I went the other day, uh, the Friday, to have my regular checkup with my doctor and uh, as I was talking with her and stuff she began to talk to me and we were talking about you know there is some uh, new strands and rise of some COVID infections and things and, and she brought great comfort to my heart because I don't just care about me my, me, mine, thee and thine I care about thou amen I care about you. I care about the people inside and outside this fellowship. I care about people. God's put that in my heart. And because of that, I talked to her, you know, about the ways I could uh, best encourage and inform and shepherd our people. And she said, here's the good news, Pastor. She said, we're not in 2020 anymore. And somebody said, thank God for that, right? I mean, 2020 was the sandpaper of sandpapers, wasn't it? And so anyhow, it really, but it rubbed some rough edges off, taught us some things. She said, we're not there, and we're able to treat this thing. And she gave me some great comfort, and I was thankful because I spoke to somebody who had expertise in the area that I didn't. You know, so anyhow, that is true, not just in the spiritual sense, not just when you visit your physical doctor, but even when it comes to communicating and fellowshipping with the saints of God. Notice what he said about him. He said, I'm sending you to him for a purpose. And then he talks about the, the importance of what he does. He's talking about his representatives. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God has chosen me. And if you're a child of God, he's chosen you to be a representative of one who has been a recipient of his grace and mercy who can represent who Jesus is to the world. That's why you're here. He didn't save you just to take you to heaven. If he had saved you just to take you to heaven, he would have taken you to heaven the moment he saved you. But he saved you so that you could be his living example of what the Christ life looks like to a lost and hurting world that has such a void that can only be filled by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? He sent you to be his representative, and that's what Tychicus was. He said, I'm sending him to you because you need comfort, and he has the message that can bring comfort to your heart. He didn't just talk about his representative, but he also had some recruits. Do you know that God has put you in this world to recruit people to the Christian faith? <laughs> I mean, when I listen to me. People are recruiting everywhere. I go into the mall, guess what I got? Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine. You know what they're wanting to do? Recruit young men to become a part of the military. There's all sorts of people. Young guys that are great athletes, they get all these letters, and they get all these calls, and they get all these It's amazing to me sometimes when you see a great five-star athlete and they say he chose this school, but he had offers from all these schools. 
He might have chose it because of NIL. He might have chose it because of the educational program. He might have chose it because it was his fastest path to the NFL. I recommend the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, but anyhow, just as a side note, but nevertheless, I'm just saying to you, recruiting is a real thing, and we hear a lot about it. But when I talk about recruiting to the family of God, here's the deal. Most of the time when somebody recruits you to something, they give you all the benefits that come with being a part either of their organization, their team, or whatever it might be. But friend, I want you to know when it comes to the Christian faith, the greatest benefit is this. Here's, here's what it is. People say, what all do I have to give up to become a Christian? Well, here's the thing. You give up eternity in hell. <laughs> I can do that, Right? That's the great benefit. You're not, you come to Jesus, you're not going to spend eternity in hell. But when we share the gospel, we must also share the clear message of it's not just about the benefits, it's about the responsibilities. As a member of a team, you guys are doing summer workouts and all this kind of stuff, and you're getting ready for an upcoming season. And, and, and the benefits is, you know, hey, you know, you want to win and you want to do these things, but there is a price to be paid to win. Amen. There's a price to be paid. The price for you to be able to miss hell and make heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you come to Christ, you're not just coming to Christ as someone who just wants to wear the jersey. Woo! Amen? I don't know about y'all. And when my coach, Coach Furch, here today, he'll tell you, I was not a great athlete, nor will I ever tell you was, but I'll tell you what I wanted to be. I was not the strongest. I wasn't the fastest, but I wanted to be. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't have been a great athlete, but I wanted to be a great teammate. Amen. I didn't just want to wear the jersey. I wanted to get in the game. Amen. Amen? Uh, was there probably somebody more gifted than me? Absolutely. Somebody faster? Somebody Sure. But I wanted to get in the game, and I want to tell you why I wanted in the game. Because I didn't just want to wear the jersey and look like a mascot. Too many people today want to wear the Christian jersey and you're not a servant of God on mission with God. You're just a mascot. And you're really not representing him very well. I knew that'd go over great, Marty. <laughs> Woo, bring it, preacher. What'd you learn today at church? Don't be a mascot, amen? Now, I didn't want to just wear the uniform and get the cleats and get my picture took with the cheerleaders and stuff. No, 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 no. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help my teammates. I wanted to sacrifice as they did and wanted to make a difference. Listen to me. The greatest team you can ever be a part of is the team that belongs to Jesus Christ. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I told y'all, I pictured myself when I was 18, 19 years old. I was going to go get me a degree. I was going to get me a visor. I was going to turn it around backwards. I was going to get me a whistle. And I was going to ride a seven-man sled. And I was going to holler, drive, drive, drive. And I was going to do that all of my days. But listen here. God gave me a new sled. Right. And God is calling me to call you to quit just wearing the jersey, get in the game, and let's try, try, try. Let's give it all for the glory of God. Why? Because we're running out of time. We're running out of time. William Booth said, hey, 1902, they're going to try to have Christianity without Christ. They won't repent. They won't forgiveness without repentance. God help us. Oh, when we extend 
the gospel and we invite people to join Jesus Christ and his family on mission with God in this world, we must do so by, yes, giving them the great benefit of eternal salvation is what they will be getting. But we must never stop short of telling them that there is a responsibility of giving yourself completely for the glory of God. He was a promoter of comforting companions. I got to get out a second rag on that one, all right? Notice with me a second thing. He was a producer of courageous leaders. Now, here's the thing. Paul did not live his life just for him and just for those in his immediate vicinity. He was living his life for those who would come behind him who he was yet to meet. Look here, let me tell you this. He was living his life with you in mind. You say, well, he didn't know me. He, he had no idea I would ever exist. Now, maybe he didn't, but he knew somebody would. And whoever that somebody was, he wanted to leave courageous leaders to carry them forward. Look at verse 12. Bible says these words of Paphras. Y'all remember him? Paphras is the pastor. Colossae, the pastor, the shepherd. And do you know what he did? You remember from chapter one? Epaphras said, wait a minute. We got some circumstances and situations we don't know the answers to, but I know somebody that can help us and he's in jail in Rome. Can you imagine if I told y'all, hey, tell y'all what, I'm gonna go walk 1,300 miles catch me a camel or a chariot, whatever I can find, and I'm going to go get some answers for our church. Where are you going? Well, it's a guy who's in jail 1,300 miles from me. Y'all think I was crazy, way. But why was he in jail? He was in jail because he was faithful to the gospel. Epaphras traveled 1,300 miles looking for that. Look at what we see about Epaphras. He is one of you. He is a bondservant of Christ. He greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers he was a focused servant he was so focused that he took that journey to Paul and he said Paul I need answers Paul's talking to him and he's giving him a letter to take back to read to his church and he's giving him the answers that he needs and what Paul is saying at the end of this letter is, is y'all folks ought to be grateful to God for this man who cares that much for you and prays that hard for you I think about sometimes, and I've been around long enough in ministry now, I've saw a lot of things come and go. I've saw a lot of people come and go. I saw a lot of ministries come and go, and some of it's so heartbreaking. And sometimes I remember getting those cards, and there'd be these huge conferences and have these lineups, and it'd be some of the biggest superstars in ministry would all be on those cards, and that was always something I got a lot of in the mail. And one day I began to think, I said, you know, God, I really believe in glory someday at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't think it's going to be about this big lineup of, of, of superstars and ministry superstars. I believe some of the most faithful men on earth are those who labor among the people in small towns just like ours and all across this country and all around this world. 
There are some that are laboring in places where their life is very much at stake just for preaching the gospel. There are some that labor just like we were last week or so in Utah where it is very contentious to the gospel and very, very uh, tough to get the gospel spread. I, I believe that some of the most faithful people are those that would never have their names on a marquee but were people who walk with God, serve God, love God, and love the people they serve. I really believe that. He said they were some focus servants, but notice something else he said about him. <clears throat> he said, as your bond servant in Christ, he greets you always that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. They were not only focus servants, but there were some fervent laborers. I remember the first time I heard the word laborer. I was about 17 years old one summer, and I was... I'd met this sweet little pretty blonde-headed girl that moved to town. I needed a job that summer to make money because, I don't know about y'all, my daddy didn't just give me money for being his son. <laughs> I mean, he should have. Why not? I mean, I, I thought it was a great blessing. He wasn't impressed, but I, I needed to make some money that summer. She says, well, my daddy has a construction company, and he needs some help this summer. So I thought, so work with and it was like we worked down at Mumford High School like patching up that old building and it was toting 12 inch blocks all day long pushing wheelbarrows full of mortar mix and concrete it was a real glamorous job but I mean I'd do that all day then go to football workouts at night and football workout was a break compared to what I did during the day and I'll never forget I found out real quick what a laborer was that was me and I wasn't very high on the totem pole. Actually, I wasn't. I didn't even have a toe on the line. I mean, I wasn't. No, I wasn't nowhere near the pole. I mean, I was beneath the dirt. But I learned real quick that if folks don't do the labor, the walls don't get built. The buildings aren't complete. The work is not finished. There has to be some fervent laborers. And you know what? It wasn't glamorous. Nobody knew how I was, but I'll tell you what, it was very important that the laborers did our job. And sometimes you need to know in the family of God, it's not about the glamorous stuff. It's just about doing what God's called you to do, finding your place. I hear people say all the time, well, I'd serve in the church, but nobody asked me. I'm telling you right now, if God has called you, saved you, wants you to serve in the church, stop right here by this welcome center. We will find you something to do, amen? It's not hard, not at all. You just have to be willing, and you have to be a laborer. But he also talked about some faithful pastors. Look at that, the last part of verse 12 and 13. That you may stand perfect and complete the will of God for our bear witness that he has great zeal for you. You know what I told you? We live in a day where folks are afraid to preach the gospel, afraid to call things out because they don't want to be unpopular. And the sad thing is, is I'm glad that there's still some men of God who have great zeal for the word of God, great zeal for God himself, and great zeal for his people. I believe that and I want you to know my heart for that he has great zeal for you and those in Laodicea you know what that was exactly the spiritual hotbed amen those that were in difficult places he was a faithful pastor and he produced faithful pastors notice with me if you would in verse 16 that he was a proclaimer of a very crucial message now, I want you to walk through these with me just a minute we'll be done here in a few minutes and you might even beat the Methodist to lunch today but anyhow here's what you need to know the message of the gospel is the most crucial and critical message that the world needs to hear at this time ever in the history of the world 
Walk through it with me. Notice what he said. Verse 16, he said, you need to read the challenge. He said this. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. You need to read the challenge. That's what I'm saying. He's saying, I'm sending you the word. You need to read it to the people and you need to make sure that you accept the challenge that is within the word you read. Then he says you've got to respond to the call. Look at verse 17 and say to our Chippas, wait a minute, who's Chip? Y'all remember Chip? Remember Chip from the earlier part? He's the one that's in charge because the church at Colossae is meeting at Philemon's house. Remember that? And they're meeting at Philemon's house. Epaphras, the pastor, is going to get a word from Paul, a word from God to help him with his church. So Archippus is filling in as the pastor while Epaphras is gone. And he's saying to him, he said, listen, Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And I want you to hear me today. I don't know what your ministry is, but if you are a child of God, he has given you one. Whatever it is, you need to fulfill it. You need to take heed to it. You don't need to make excuses for it. You don't need to see somebody else to do a better job. You don't need to say, I don't have time. What's well, one I hear a lot. You need to respond to that call. Why? Because nobody can fulfill the ministry that God has given to you except you. Do you know how many times I've told God, do you know how many times i told God when he burdened my heart to come home to this pulpit to lead this church? you know how many times i told God, God, I know somebody else will do a better job? And I know they probably would. Hey, God, I know somebody else would be better suited. God, I know somebody else would be a better fit. But what God burned in my heart was was that this was the ministry that he was calling me to. He has plenty. Listen here. He's got thousands that's never dropped a knee to Baal. Isn't that what he had to tell Elijah? Elijah said, I'm all you got. I'm the only one left. He said, no, no, I got thousands over here and I'll put you over there in the desert and show you that I don't need you but you need me. Oh, God help us. Friend, I want you to know, I hope you don't find yourself in the desert for God to get your attention, for you to respond to the call. I hope you would respond today and do what he's called you to do. And then I want to finish by talking about this part. Look at verse 18. Three words. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. Yes, Paul was chained in a prison. Yes, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And every six to eight hours, they'd give him a new one. Can you imagine? <laughs> I bet there's going to be some Roman soldiers in heaven simply because they got put on Paul duty. Now let me ask you this. If somebody got chained to you for the next six hours, what would y'all talk about? I'll tell you what you would talk about. You would talk about what matters to you. You, you might talk about your hobbies, and there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. Uh, you might talk about your family. I hope you would because I hope they matter to you. And as a Christian, I hope you would talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ and be unashamed to let people know that he is your Savior and your Lord. Amen? Uh, see, every six to eight hours, Paul gets a new guy. <laughs> Can you imagine him looking around you know, those corrections officers? Hey, who you got today? I got the preacher. 
Reckon what he's going to be talking about. He's going to tell us about when he got struck blind for three days and he couldn't see and he met Jesus. He's going to tell us all this stuff. He's going to tell us about getting thrown into that jail in Philippi and they started singing praises at midnight and the earthquake came and the chains fell off. He's going to tell us about going to that jailer's house and leading his whole family to Jesus. I'm sure he's going to tell us about being shipwrecked, snake bit and everything else. I guess I'm on preacher duty today. But I want to tell you something else. For somebody else he was chained to. He wasn't just chained to that soldier. He was chained to Jesus Christ. He was a bondservant. He was a son. See, when you're chained to Jesus, nothing else matters except what matters to Jesus. Did you know that? I believe that. And I believe being chained to Jesus will change your life. Being chained to Jesus will change your home. Being chained to Jesus will clear up your want-tos and your vocabulary. Being chained to Jesus will change your church. See, listen, church, if we all just got chained to Jesus, then we wouldn't be chained to the thoughts of this world. We would be free from this world because he who the Son has set free is free indeed. See, being chained to Jesus will also heal your hearts and help you overcome every barrier that divides us you know Paul preached against division quite a bit he preached against division between the Jews and the Gentiles because he told them it was the same gospel that bridged the gap for them the same gospel that bridged the gap for them is the same gospel that will bridge the gap for me and you today I wrote this down and I don't know who to give credit for it somebody smarter than me said it I didn't Find, couldn't find anybody that said it, so I just signed my name to it. How about that? <laughs> Holding to our preferences will divide us, but understanding our purpose will unite us. You guys, listen to me about legacy. You dads and granddads, you passing on, I pray the right things to your grandboys and grandgirls and sons and daughters. You who have the privilege to teach and work among children through the week, I pray that you are imparting the right principles to them. Those of you that serve in this church that work with children and students and, and work with the adults or whether you work, sing in the worship choir, whatever you do, I pray that you're doing the right things and imparting the right kind of heart to one another. And you guys that are students, listen to me, don't think that your influence will start someday. It is going on right now. You're going to leave a legacy someday, guys, and you're going to be remembered for something. You're going to be remembered for what you stood for and what you didn't stand for. You're going to be remembered for what you did and what you didn't do. You're going to be remembered for a lot of things, but I want to encourage you of the importance of passing along the right kind of legacy to those who come behind you. The Apostle Paul, outside of Jesus, is probably our greatest biblical example. Let me share with you a picture. Y'all got that picture ready for me? I'm going to pull this picture up here and just share it with you real quick. Check this guy out. Do y'all know the guy on the left? Kind of big, ugly, hairy guy. Looks a little like me. Okay, yeah. Y'all don't know the little guy on the right there, do you? Let me tell you about my little buddy here. This is... Matthew Rook. Matthew was in my sixth grade bunch at Awaken City Church. He's an Arkansas whoo pig suey, but look here. But I taught him how to say roll time. 
I left my legacy, I left my mark. Man, but here's the thing about Matthew. I meet Matthew on Sunday. He's got on some black dress pants. He's got on a little black vest and some black and white Adidas. <laughs> and I could tell real quickly, man, he was a little sharp guy. But this little guy bonded with me tremendously during the week. And um, his mom and dad are both educators and wonderful people. First Baptist Church, Harrison, Arkansas. If you ever go to Branson, they're 30 miles south. His dad sent me this picture this week. And I don't know about y'all, this got me. He said, I want you to know, Brent, uh, we wanted to watch your service from Sunday and Matthew wanted to have his picture made with him. See, on the last day we were there, I told y'all they let us have all the snow cones we could eat. And I really, really like snow cones. Don't you? And I get the orange ones because we're dominating orange, right? Okay, so I told Matthew, he said, uh, hey, Pastor Brent said, uh, would you like another snow cone? I said, you know, I think I would, man. I said, Miss Angie, you want one too? He said, I'll go get them for you. And he comes back. And he said, and he hands me two snow cones, and he says, I told them I needed two special snow cones for two special people. Sixth grade. And this gets to me because, you know what? There's a lot of times I get to wondering, do you, you get to wonder if I'm making a difference at all? Do you? You get to wonder if anybody's life is different. And then God drops those little things in your life to remind you, hey, somebody that's why I'm so thankful for our school here and our coaches. They give us a wonderful opportunity. You know, Coach Burns, Coach Towns, and all these guys, wonderful opportunity to come, be around the players, and get to know these guys. And these guys know that I love them. They know that I'd do anything for them. And I want you to know, I think this little guy knows the same thing. But I want to ask you this. Whose life is being impacted by yours? Who sees you as somebody that's special, that's making an investment in them, that's going to make an eternal difference? You say, well, preacher, there's nobody looking at me. Oh, yes, they are. You made that sign. No, I didn't know that little guy was watching me that close. You don't know who's watching you. But Paul is saying this. Paul saying, remember my chains. They're not in vain. They are for God's glory and they are for your benefit. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your blessings on this invitation. And I pray that lives will be changed and you add to this church daily those who are being saved. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we stand, I want you to listen to something and then we're going to stand. Marty, I was reading about Amazing Grace this week. Old John Newton wrote it on a slave ship. I don't know about you, most all my life I thought there were four verses to Amazing Grace. 
And then Chris Tomlin came out years ago with Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, and I realized there was a fifth verse that you've been introduced to. But in my research, I found that there is six verses to Amazing Grace. And let me share with you what that fifth one is, which comes before what you would know the last verse when we've been there 10,000 years. But here's what that fifth verse John Newton wrote. It says, Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. You know why Jesus came? So that you would have a life of joy and peace. Abundant here and eternal with Him. As God speaks to your heart today, I invite you to come and experience that amazing grace. Stand with me if you would all across the house. As Marty leads us, you come as God speaks to your heart today. for a second. You stand, look this way. Come here, Howard. This is my buddy Howard in church. I want you to meet Howard if you haven't. He's been with us several years since he got in our area and we come to church and another one of those times you just, God really spoke and he left me a note 
and said, I do, I got saved after I got baptized, basically what he said. He said, I need to get my baptism right because I'm a follower of Christ now and I want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And I just rejoice with Howard and his courage. Would you rejoice with me? I love you, buddy. I love you. God bless you. Amen. You're going to stand right by Jonah there just for a minute. And I want to keep standing for a second because, like I said, Howard's courage just was amazing. It just encouraged me so much. And we talked, and he's so emotional about it. You know, and when Jesus Christ, you realize what he did, you get a little emotional. Amen? Amen. Amen. You do. And I just wanted his testimony. Maybe it would be an encouragement to you today. Maybe you've been kind of holding out or holding on. And God's been moving on your heart about being all in for him. I don't know, but we're going to sing another verse of this song. And if God is dealing with your heart, and you you know, there's a little song my girl sings. It's just called, I Will Go. He says, I will go where you send me, no matter the cost, no matter what's lost. I will go, I will run the race before me. God used that song to really challenge my heart to be willing to just let go and just go with God wherever he did. That's a lot of the reason I'm here today. But if God is speaking to your heart today, says just, just trust me. Just be all in. We're going to sing another verse, and this verse is for you, and I encourage you to come. You come, and the heart of you lead us. person asked me one time, you know, why we clap at the end of church, and uh, I told him, I said, I'll remind y'all, I was taught a long time ago, there's two kinds of us, happy clappies and the frozen chosen, and uh, I know which one I'm going to be in, amen, but no, I'm just glad to be around a bunch of happy clappies, amen, there's nothing wrong with that, we give thanks and praise to God it's just the way we honor him the psalmist said oh clap your hands and give praise to the Lord I think it's just the way we just say Lord we love you and we're all in so as we give today I want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving as always I know sometimes in the summer months it's easy to kind of lull on that and other times of year but I want to encourage you to always I'm not a fundraiser. I'm not in the business of raising funds. I'm in the business of raising God's children. Amen? And the way you 
do that is through being totally dependent on him. God's been good to us, hasn't he? We had some rough storms in here Friday. On my side of town, we was out of power a long time. A bunch of trees down. Could have been worse. God saw us through it. God's give us, been so good to us, and he's given us a mission. He's given us a purpose. We're going to let that purpose unite us as one family. So as we give today, we're giving through the church for the glory of God. You're supporting missions. You're supporting ministry. You're supporting the, getting the gospel message across the street and around the world. And you're helping take care of the things here that are very important. And it's all because of our dependence on the Lord Jesus. So as we give today, let's give from our hearts to God and let's trust him to take our tithe and to multiply it. Fill our barns up so we'll be more of a blessing to a hurting world. Let's join our hearts together and ask God's blessing on our giving. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to say thank you, dear Lord. Thank you for bestowing blessings upon us yeah. and the church family, dear Lord. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for continuing to work in Paul's life. Yeah. Because it would have been so easy for him just to give up, dear Lord. When he, when he was in prison, he could have said, you forsaken me. He could have said, I could do no good from this prison cell. Before we uh, dismiss here in just a moment, I will remind you of a couple of things for the week. We're back to 6 this Wednesday, 6 o'clock this Wednesday. I hope we enjoyed last week, as we said earlier, and I hope it was a great week for you. If you've got some time off or you still got to go back to work or whatever, I just pray God use you wherever you're at because you need to remember this. Wherever you're at, it's your mission field. Amen? It's your mission field. And I want to encourage you as you come by too, y'all come by up and Give uh, Brother Howard a handshake and a hug. Tell him you love him. You're glad to have him. Part of our church family, we love you, Howard. He'll be his baptism will be next Sunday morning. So do remember that. We will be hearing from our mission team next Sunday as well. And you'll get to see a lot of good stuff from there. And I just pray and hope you know too, like I said, our mission there is that's not the ending point. It's the starting point. There's a lot of other things that God is working right now. Nothing concrete. 
to share, but there's going to be lots of other opportunities, some closer, some maybe even further. But nevertheless, I really believe God's going to use this church to make a big difference in the world, bigger than we ever thought possible if we just put it in his hands. It's all about whose hands you put it in, amen? In my hands, it's a mess. In your hands, it's a mess. But in his hands, he takes here the message and changes lives, amen? So let's stand together. And hey, church, don't forget I love you. And what? Nothing you knew about it, amen? I'm going to go around front and catch you on the way out. Marty's going to sing us out. Have a great Sunday afternoon.